Welcome to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Maybe you've had a bad experience with whiskey in the past or had very strong, neat spirit thrust upon you and surprisingly not enjoyed it. If so, then this is the conversation for you. I'm Rob Patchett, Global Whiskey Ambassador for the Cotswolds Distillery, and I'm joined by leading personalities in the drinks industry who agree that more people need to drink whiskey, but on their terms. We discuss whiskey cocktails, experiences, great people to follow in the industry, and how you can find your way into whiskey. Today I am joined by one of the best whiskey drinks industry writers in the UK, maybe the world, I would say, a evangelist for new make spirit in cocktails, as well as from an onomatopoeia standpoint, one of the most pleasurable names to say, the brilliant Millie Milliken. Hello, Millie. How are you? <laughs> what an intro. Um, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm very good. This is going to be episode number one, so I'm very nervous, but I think that so far we are styling it out quite nicely. Definitely. I'm excited. Me it's too. Really nice chat. I think we're uh, I think we're going to cover some good stuff today but I think more than anything I wanted to have you on as our first guest because we've had many chats in the in the past about mm-hmm. whiskey and also the category the industry mm-hmm. and how we can bring more people to the category uh, we don't need to talk about gender or politics or anything like that I just think more people as long as it's not detrimental to their mental well-being or their physical well-being should drink mm-hmm. whiskey um, so I guess let's go back to the beginning how did you get into whiskey? It's one of those really funny questions because I kind of feel like no one really remembers when they either first started drinking whiskey. Um, but I, I have a very clear memory of when I went to university, so I'd have been 18. And before then, I can't really recall what my relationship with, with whiskey would have been. I mean, I would have been underage, so I definitely wasn't drinking it. Um, but. I I don't think I really had much of a knowledge base about about how it was made or um, my mo- my mother's Scottish but it you know Scotch wasn't something that was usually drunk in our household um, so I do have a very clear memory of being at university and I did philosophy at university which was um, a group of very interesting we'll, we'll say interesting people um, in there and. There was sort of three of them who lived in my halls of residence sort of in central London. And when all the other kids were out, you know, drinking uh, vodka Red Bulls and at phone parties and things like that, we all used to just sit on a stoop and drink whiskey in the middle of our kind of halls of residence. Um, And I think I probably did it to start off with because I was always, I was never one of the cool kids at school or anything. So I I was always looking for a group of people, you know, who was maybe not not the really popular kids. Um, And yeah, I think that's that's kind of where it started. And yeah, some of my fondest memories at university was sat kind of in this little stoop um, in in Borough in London, just sort of drinking whiskey out the bottle with with this group of people, and I think that's that's kind of where it all began, really. Counterculture, subversiveness, always thumbing, <laughs> thumbing it to the popular crowd and saying, "Hey, I'm going to drink whiskey." And it's nothing to do with the fact that the popular kids didn't want anything to do with me. I purposely made the choice not to hang out with them. That that's my that that's my stance, and I'm sticking to it. And well done for doing that, because <laughs> one thing that I always say to my wife is, "There's no such thing as cool." Exactly. Exactly, I completely agree. And also, I think if you think you're cool, you're not cool. 
Exactly, exactly that. And we can cover that a little bit later, actually. But <laughs> what whiskey was it, if you don't mind me asking? Do you remember? It, I have no recollection. All I do remember is that it was um, always a rotating scotch. So it was always, we always chipped in. Um, so we'd all give sort of like a tenner or something. And um, one of the guys would go and always do like a rotating bottle of scotch each time. Um, there would definitely have been some sort of Glenlivet in there, maybe Glenfarclas, um, you know, there would have been all the sort of big, the big hitters in there. Um, definitely some Isla whiskies in there, um, Lefroy, Lagavulin. Um, so yeah, it, it was always a rotation. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really cool because then we all gave a tenner, we could buy a nice bottle of whiskey um, and yeah, we just sort of drink it over the course of the evening. Okay, I've got the complete wrong guest for the first episode because <laughs> you started out drinking the best whiskey ever. When I asked that question, <laughs> I was I was expecting you to say, yeah, so it was Teachers one week and then it was Famous Grouse the next week. And oh, it, there was definitely some of that mixed in as well, 100%. And then you started uh, you dropping know. Glenn Farkless. Like, <laughs> Just drinking was, 105 on a stoop, don't, as don't one does. Don't worry about it. It was, there was definitely a mix, and I can definitely recall when it got to um, kind of when I, we were all running out of out, running out of money, um, the, the bottles did get slightly less, um, slightly less expensive and, you know, maybe, maybe a bit more mainstream. Um, but, yeah, James was the guy who um, kind of, initiated it all and he he had his own sort of little collection as well that he would bring out um and yeah it was it was really fun it was it was a great way to kind of be introduced to the category um and yeah make good conversation and listen to some music and yeah it was it was brilliant so unconsciously you were cool because you had someone curating your own whiskey collection for basically, all of your social yeah. gatherings basically yeah I, i've been doing this for years <laughs> a crafty veteran and someone that we trust implicitly. I love it. Um, <laughs> and so obviously since then you have become, uh, as I say, one of the most influential writers within the drinks industry, definitely in the UK, but I think your voice definitely goes further than that. And what I would say is that given the opportunities that you are um, present to when you are mm. doing all of your uh, journalistic duties as well mm -hmm. as everything else, judging and everything... Obviously, you get the opportunity to go to amazing distilleries. You've been mm -hmm. to the Cotswolds Distillery. Um, I have. We, 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 we had a good afternoon sipping on whiskey and talking about Bond, which we'll get to later. Ugh, what, would be, what would you say has been your best whiskey moment to date? Uh, I, it's so difficult to choose. Um, and actually, I think one of my most memorable ones, um, I got to go to Glen Eagles um for work which just sounds very silly um there's a lot of things i get to do for work which are just amazing and um i got offered a trip to glen eagles and it happened to land on my birthday um and i usually wouldn't do something like a work trip on my birthday but it was glen eagles and i, I just couldn't turn it down and we were there just for one night and we got to obviously enjoy the hotel and all of the facilities and we went on a kind of excursion into the grounds um in sort of four by fours and we got to drink some whiskey and they'd sort of ordered for a helicopter to come and pick us up and everything and it was it was very special but just something about being out in the countryside in you know in the grounds of glen eagles sipping on 
on some whiskey and with with a group of like-minded people on my birthday um and also you know these are people I've never met before um but I think whiskey has that ability to bring people who don't know each other together um and create that um sort of shared experience and for me whenever I sort of think of Glen Eagles or whenever anyone mentions it I always go back to that moment and I think it's definitely something that that sticks with me and I'm really glad that I that I decided to do it on on my birthday I think it was a really special experience and there were people in that group who'd also never really drunk whiskey before and for them it was you know I remember them being just absolutely loving it and you know how could you not it, it was just fantastic um and yeah obviously I've, I've had some wonderful distillery visits and Isla's a very special place as well um I was at the Benahaven distillery not that long ago um drinking drinking that liquid on on their pier overlooking the water on a sunny day um that's very special as well so yeah there's, there's a lot to choose from but that Glen Eagles um trip was yeah very special indeed that's amazing and there's a few different points of your answer that I'd like to pick up on because mm. Mm. It's a brilliant answer because of three reasons. Number one, it was more about the people, it was more about mm -hmm. the place, and mm -hmm. it was more about the experience of other people enjoying whiskey, which I think is brilliant because sometimes when people talk about their best whiskey moment, they just name drop a brand and the age of the brand and go, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> but for you, it was more where you were, who you were with, and the reaction of the experience, which mm. that is the definition of whiskey, is enjoying with people and the experience that it brings as well. Yeah. Um, and then the second part for me also, um, you were in a helicopter, so... I mean, come on, come how on, ridiculous right? is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And then it happened on your birthday, which means that, you know, every time you have a birthday, you have a benchmark. Whether it be better or worse, you have a benchmark. Exactly. That you, you were in a helicopter with people that you enjoy being around in an amazing place, drinking a liquid that we all appreciate. And if you don't appreciate it, listen to this podcast a little bit more, because I promise exactly. you, by the end of it, we'll have you drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, And I think that's always the thing when I talk to people about whiskey as well I'm I you know I I think sometimes that, like you say there is that that leaning towards you know name dropping a big brand or a big sort of age statement and for me whiskey isn't really about that it is about that shared experience and yeah, I love nothing more than seeing someone sort of really enjoy whiskey for the first time. Um, whether that is, you know, the most iconic whiskey in the world or whether it's, you know, a new whiskey that is, is a young whiskey that no one's really heard of. It doesn't matter. It's 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 what whiskey is. Um, yeah. And that's that's far more important to me and more memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Because also I think that whiskey is in its own right as a community and everyone in their own way wants to belong to some sort of community or yeah. some sort of um, enclave or pack of people. And I think definitely having myself come up through the industry working in pubs and bars and cocktail bars um, all over Europe as well as, you know, I, I, I studied to be a sommelier. So I've sort of been part of these little subcultures within the drinks industry. And I would definitely say that the whiskey culture and the whiskey community is one that not only just embraces everyone for the most part, um, but also people just have a laugh and they actually, the the more you're into whiskey, the more that you don't actually care about, um, ma I'm going to swear, the bullshit. Mm, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I think um, it, it's one of those things where 
I completely understand when when people have their favorite favorite names and their you know they they like the older whiskies or things like that. I completely get it, and those whiskies are absolutely incredible. Um, but I think there's a humbleness to the whiskey industry and pe- the people who who work in it as well. You know, you meet a lot of distillers who are very or blenders who are very humble, um, sort of quiet people, lovely people, and. You know, it, it's. It, I think that's usually reflected in the people who who really, really love it and like to drink it. Um, so yeah, more more of those people and more of that approach to it, hundred percent. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting actually. Just picking up on what you were saying, because if you work in the industry or you're quite um, ingrained in the industry, as as we are, you know, I work I I work for a distillery. You you are you know you have the commentary on the industry from a journalistic standpoint. When whoever we speak to within the industry there isn't that sense of elitism there isn't that sense of you have to go through an initiation to be part of this community of whiskey it is very much a we'd rather actually not talk about all of the nonsense that people seem to just concentrate on when it comes to that elitism of whiskey they'd rather concentrate on the community how people are what people are doing interesting things things of that nature and so it's it's almost like once you're part of the industry or part of the community then you cast aside all of the nonsense but it's just those people that almost have an insecurity about mm. their knowledge of whiskey that feel they yeah. need to overcompensate yeah and and you know start bragging about name dropping and age dropping and things like that i mean mm-hmm. i don't want to punch down on people who drink whiskey because more people should do it mm-hmm. but it's just it is just an interesting observation more than anything yeah. else yeah 100 percent. yeah i agree and you know i've, I've had you know, people testing my knowledge and things like that when you're just sort of trying to enjoy a drink. And, you know, my answer is usually I'm just trying to enjoy, just trying to enjoy a whiskey. You know, this is what it's all about. Um, and, yeah, I think I think um, those, that type of approach to whiskey is definitely um, more prevalent um, now. And it's, it's definitely kind of, I think, what even more, it's going to get even more like that as well over the future as as we all a lot of people in the industry want more people to enjoy whiskey and make it more accessible um and more fun uh and easy going so yeah um i can only see only see that getting getting better over time as well which yeah is great. that's a really interesting point that i'm gonna sort of follow up on as well because whiskey whiskey has never been at the point it is at today and by that i mean that you have emerging industries all over the world not only here in england um so you've got world whiskey as a category uh english whiskey we have 40 english whiskey distilleries in production right now maybe even more um but then you've also got the elements of social media. You know, people have access to how they're going to share what they're drinking, what they're enjoying, how they're reviewing. Um, so an access of information, but also just brands being able to communicate with their customers a lot more effectively. I don't think whiskey's ever been in a situation it is today, which means that the overarching um, commentary that I see is that whiskey distilleries do not want to limit who's drinking their whiskey. They don't want to limit how people are drinking their whiskey. I mean, the concept of this podcast really was about bringing more people to the category and how they can enjoy it in a way that they feel comfortable. And I don't think I could name a distillery that contradicts that commentary and that narrative and so I'm very, very fascinated about how this industry is going to push forward, given all of the opportunity it's got to really embrace more people, communicate it more effectively with the social channels. And then also there are champions such as yourself and Becky Paskin who are out there really fighting and pushing forward for the entire category to just be, as I say, more embracing. So I'm, I guess it's not really a question more than a statement, but I think it is really interesting that the future of whiskey 
is more exciting today than it would have been, say, for instance, 30 years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, and I've seen it even the last sort of four, four or five years, um, year on year, it just, the, the push of the people who work in this industry to make it more accessible is, is you know, it's just building and building. Um, it's sort of snowballing. And yeah, I think, like you say, the, the, from now onwards, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to this category. Um, and I'm hoping and I think that it will become easier for people to approach and enjoy, which is what we all want. So yeah, the future's, the future's bright for sure. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of leads into the next subject that I was going to talk about. And this is, if you are a hardcore whiskey fan that only likes big star, big time age statements and old Scotch whiskey distilleries, the next part, maybe not for you, but stay tuned anyway, because we need, <laughs> we need more than 10 people to listen to this podcast. But <laughs> when I worked in wine, one of my favorite pairings was actually Barolo and Kebab. I work. I worked for. Uh, I worked for a wine merchant, and you know, every now and again, you get to take home nice wine. And my wife and I would come home from a wine tasting, and we'd stop off at uh, a kebab shop, get a dirty kebab. There's no other way of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. saying it. And we yeah, would yeah. drink a really nice glass of Barolo with it. And I've always enjoyed that sort of sitting on a stoop, thumbing to the cool kids, drinking 105 counterculture sort of approach yeah, yeah. to drinks in general. <laughs> I know that Dave Broom's, one of Dave's, Dave Broom's favourite serves is Lagavulin and Coke. Nice. Do you have a guilty pleasure style of drinking your whiskey? Oh, yes. Of course I do. Um, and I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Mine is root beer and bourbon. Right. It's just an absolute banger. Um, I love root beer. I don't know why I, when I started drinking it, I would have obviously probably been a kid, but there's something about root beer that I just love. I've always kind of liked that kind of Americana, kind of um, that way of sort of drinking and that sort of music and those sorts of films. And I, I feel like root beer is, it just makes me feel happy and... Yeah, like a Bundaberg root beer and a Maker's Mark is just, it's just delicious. Um, I, I love it. And it's one of those drinks where you kind of just drink it and it makes makes you feel happy. Um, and yeah, I, 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 you know, whiskey and Coke is, it's, it's a great, there's a reason why it's, it's, it's popular. There's a reason why people drink it. Um, but for me, yeah, a root beer and bourbon is, is great. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a pure pleasure. Follow follow up question for you. <laughs> do you have a favourite jar that you drink it out of? Uh, I do actually have. Um, oh god, this is just so predictable, isn't it? Um, I have uh, these glasses that my friend bought me, and they're old jars that have had sort of handles added to them, um, and they're all they're branded as well. Um, kind of like an, it was an old soft drink brand, um, and I drink it out of those. I remember with, that with brand, and I can't meat. think of the name of it. <laughs> I know I can't either. Um, and yeah, just drink it out of there. Loads of ice um, and a straw. Good to go. Love it. I love it because that is what it's all about. It's what it's what it's however you want to drink it. Um, yeah. A couple of Christmases ago, um, I we we had just released at the distillery a an Amaro, and mm. I got an email saying, "Can you come up with a couple of serves for the Amaro?" And I was like, "Okay." Did a bit of a Google, had a bit of a think, and I was also going through a phase of blending every drink I could that was boozy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I. Um, I sort of stole and amalgamated an idea and we called it a, a banana amaro. 
and it was basically um, amaro with loads of whiskey, cream liqueur, um, and then milk and banana liqueur as well. Oh loads God. of crushed ice, and it just ended up being like a oh. really boozy, creamy banana whiskey led style of drink. Oh. Delicious. I'll send you oh, the link on like, Instagram please, because please. it's a legit good drink. And I sent it I sent it to our owner Dan and Dan sent me he's countless messages since going, It's that time of year. We're getting <laughs> we're getting the blender out. <laughs> we know what time of year it is. That anything with banana, banana and whiskey. Banana um, and whiskey. Oh my god, that combination is just absolutely incredible. Um I wonder what like a banana milkshake kind of star with some oh yeah I mean that's pretty much what it is it's a banana milkshake with amaro and whiskey in it and then the cream element I sort of mixed milk and cream liqueur Mm. um yeah I'll send you this back it's delish but the great thing about it is there's no right and there's no wrong as long as you get whiskey banana milk cream liqueur you don't even have to use a fresh banana that's how good it is I quite enjoy sort of (laughs) annoying people (laughs) in a and when I say that I mean I would love to drink like a whiskey and coke in front of, you know, someone who loves whiskey, but you know, not not how we love whiskey, um, and just sort of brazenly drink it in front of them. I kind of just love those whiskey drinks that are just so unabashedly delicious, but also simple or, you know, mad like you know a banana milkshake with whiskey in it. You know, I just think that that way of drinking whiskey is so fun, and that is how it should be, how it should be drunk, um, how some whiskey should be drunk, and how we should think about whiskey. Um, when someone says drinking whiskey, you know, that should be a category of, of that people think of, not just people sipping it neat or or on the rocks. And I think, or with water. And I think, I love, I just love those whiskey cocktails or whiskey mixers, however you want to call them, because I think they they just show how fun whiskey can be as well. Um, and yeah, that, that, that is just, that banana drink is just the, the epitome of, of that kind of drink. And it just sounds absolutely delicious. So yeah, more, more of those sorts of serves. Um, pl- yeah, yeah, I think oh, they're yeah. brilliant. I mean, last night we, uh, I was at the distillery because Claudio from Whiskey Club Italia was, um, he came to pay us a visit. And so there was uh, Claudio, a couple of his colleagues, uh, Dan and his wife, um, and Jeremy, our CEO, and myself. And we were doing live music at the distillery. Um, and so we had a long table and it was lovely because instead of having a guest come to the distillery and we did a formal tasting, um, it was just, we had a walk around the distillery, showed him the new distillery, and then when we sat down, we just had pizzas on the table, the bottles of our, our products on the table. But the most important thing was there wasn't a structure to it. We just kind of nosed away at some whiskeys, enjoyed it, and then after the after the main course, so after the pizza, we all just got some tubs of ice cream, got some Amaro, got some cream liqueur, and we had sherries on um, some whiskeys on the table as well. And Claudio himself just started pouring the sherry cask into his tub of ice cream. And I was like, that is genius. Um, I followed suit and it was absolutely brilliant, like a like a sherry cask affogato sort of thing. But the most important thing was that even someone who... Whiskey Club Italia has 20,000 members and they work with some of the biggest brands in the world. But even their, their, uh, their sort of their leader, if you will, Claudio, was just like, oh, I'm going to put this delicious whiskey into an ice cream. I was like, yep. I'm going to follow suit. I actually did um, an article I wrote last year for uh, Master of Malt um, was a whiskey and ice cream pairing feature. And I ended up doing it in 
IRL in real life um, at Cocktails in the City last year. So that that's a you know very much a consumer event. Um, it's fantastic. Lots of brilliant whiskey brands there making amazing cocktails as well, which is fantastic. And yeah, you know, it was a packed room because people, a lot of people came out to the end and sort of said, oh, I don't really drink whiskey, but the pairing it with ice cream sounded really interesting and cool. And, you know, I love ice cream. And, you know, if, if I can make someone love whiskey by putting it next to an ice cream and asking them to eat, eat it all together or drink it side by side, um, you know, that's my job. That's my job done. Um, and yeah, I think it's just brilliant. It just shows that it's all about flavor and the people who really, who really love it, understand that. And yeah, it, it's, it, it can be drunk in any way you want to drink it. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the conduit to get people to drink whiskey shouldn't be, here is a glass of neat 40% plus mm. spirit mm. <laughs> that is going to burn your nose, burn your palate. You're probably going to feel like you're being poisoned from a, <laughs> from a systematic standpoint. Why don't you like whiskey after this horrible experience that has completely put you off? Whereas, like you said, ice cream or biscuits or, I mean, the guys who uh, do the Whiskey and Things podcast, they always do tasting notes on um, on whiskey with biscuits. Um, you know, Abby over at Brooklady, she always matches her whiskeys to crisps. I was just about to say whiskey and crisps. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whiskey and dessert, whiskey and... I mean, mm. this is it. The whole conversation that we're having really is about that whiskey isn't this standalone product where you have to go through an initiation and understand 200 years of history. Mm. It's just something that tastes good and can be paired slash mixed with delicious things. And... You know, even if you're lactose intolerant, there are still some really good mm. ice creams out there that you can enjoy mm. whiskey with. So, exactly, it's Give um, it a go. yeah, just just I, I I guess the one overarching narrative that I'll always want from this podcast is don't be scared to do yourself uh, a whiskey pina colada, a root beer and bourbon, mm. a drop of whiskey in an ice cream, so that you are enjoying as much ice cream as you are whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's just all about having fun with it. Yeah, 100%. And I always kind of look to other categories, you know, like rum or tequila or mezcal. And the way that people approach that, it's, you know, it's always, it's usually quite fun. And there's some brilliant cocktails and music and, you know, and there is that element in in whiskey as well, you know, the, the sort of festivals that happen every year, especially in Scotland. And whiskey is fun and can be fun and can be enjoyed in that kind of way and I think more of that message to yeah like you say people who maybe don't know much about whiskey or aren't sure whether they like it or not or have had a bad experience um that's the best way to get to get them back into drinking it or to start drinking it um so yeah yeah yeah, don't, don't assault their senses and have fun mm, with it. Mm, 100%. So, leading on from that, uh, the segues are seamless so far, oh, by so the way. Seamless. I know, right? Um, <laughs> whenever someone says, oh, I want to like whiskey, but I always have uh, a, a certain scenario in my head. Now, mm-hmm. my mother doesn't really drink. She'll have a gin and tonic on special occasions or an Aperol spritz when she's on holiday. And so whenever I think about how I can best communicate getting into something... I always think, how would I get my mum to like it? Oh, hi, mum, by the way. Um, but yeah, how would I get my mum to like it? How would I frame a whiskey so that my mum could like it? Because, you know, not detrimental to her at all. She's just not much of a drinker. So, you know, mm. if we give her wine, she'll pick up on the tannins and say that it might be a bit dry. She likes something that's mm-hmm. quite fruity. And that's, again, 
people have their own journey within trying to access flavor. It's, you know, mm. people like you and I who we drink new make all the time and we try whiskies of high caliber all the time. We are going to talk about new make. But there are people that don't live lives like us. And, you know, it's prob- <laughs> that's probably a good probably thing. probably a good thing. <laughs> so I guess my question to you would be, you know, those people that just don't really drink, maybe have some curiosity. Mm. How would you best frame a whiskey serve to someone? Highball it, baby. Highball it. Get it in a highball. And when I say highball as well, I actually think that some highballs, just the kind of classic maybe highball with soda water, maybe a wedge of lemon um, and obviously um, some whiskey, I, I don't always think that that is the best drink to get people into enjoying whiskey because I still feel like it is... It's quite um, an acquired taste. And I, I think when I say highball, I mean more like a flavoured mixer. So, you know, maybe something like, I know London Essence does some amazing, um, amazing mixers. Um, one of them's got um, like roasted pineapple, I think. You know, that, oh, that with the- Oh, ro- roasted pineapple yeah, oh and my basil, God, it's, del- it? it's delicious. I can't remember what the other ingredient is, but it's fantastic. And that with, you know, a, a whiskey, maybe a peated whiskey or something, a bit something with a bit of sort of smoke in it. Um, you know, that's absolutely delicious. And you can get the whiskey, you can taste the whiskey, and it's definitely present, but it's balanced by those more recognizable, maybe more comfortable flavours. And I think I think that's just the best way of getting someone or or trying to um, you know, maybe communicate whiskey to someone who also, is isn't maybe a big drinker because it's, you know, it's a long drink. Um, there's quite a lot of dilution in there. Um, but I think matching those flavours with, with the whiskey. And also, if you can, if you know that a whiskey maybe has those kind of tropical notes to it, mixing, mixing it with a tropical mixer will only pull, pull those flavours out even more. Um, and I think that is, it's, I think creating that kind of familiarity with unfamiliarity and putting them together, I think that is usually a really good kind of like the whiskey and ice cream you know you understand ice cream and what the flavor is you maybe don't understand whiskey put them together and your your kind of ice cream is the conduit to talking about the whiskey and I think that's the same with a kind of flavored a flavored mixer so I think yeah anything in a highball glass um you know with some dilution in there um and just something that has a recognizable flavor to it that matches the whiskey is is for me usually usually a winner perfect answer perfect answer um, yeah, I mean, not many people have the privilege that we do to spend our, spend a lot of time in whiskey distilleries, but mm. all you got to do is have a quick whiff of fermentation of the whiskey and then you can build the flavor profiles, yeah. whether it's, like you say, banana, tropical fruit, pineapple, things like that. Mm. Um, they are all whiskey flavors that are prevalent, therefore, why not accentuate them? If you're garnishing yeah. a gin and tonic, you usually garnish it mm-hmm. with a part of the botanical composition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same sort of deal. And also... Gin wouldn't be popular if the preferred serve was neat and room temperature. Yeah. So exactly. Mix, exactly. Your, mix your whiskey. Don't be scared. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I think those that longer style of drinking whiskey um, also, you know, taps into the whiskey isn't just for kind of sipping neat in the cold, you know, um, 
a more traditional kind of view of how you would drink whiskey it, it makes it a summer it, it kind of shows people that it is also a summer drink and you can drink it in a cold drink with ice um you know with with something you know like a, a tropical t-shirt on or something you know it, yeah. it can it can be that summer on the beach serve as well um yeah i think that is it's just it's just the best way to do it for me personally and it's always delicious always yeah, tasty i couldn't agree with you more i think two places i would like to see whiskey just in more circulation the summer and before dinner i think that in yeah. the summer there are so many different ways in which you mm. can enjoy good whiskey highballs good mm-hmm. whiskey cocktails get the blender out don't be scared mm-hmm. um get the blender out yeah. always and then before dinner as well you know if you think about uh, if you go out for a, a decent dinner, there's always going to be some sort of aperitif, be it a martini or a gin and tonic beforehand. You're going to sit down to dinner. Maybe you'll have some champagne and then you'll drink some wine. This is a bougie dinner, by the way. I am, oh, yeah. try- I am trying to make booze accessible right here, even though I'm talking about <laughs> martinis and champagne this and is, red this wine. This is just my, like a Monday night for me, Rob. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're awesome. Um, <laughs> But then you're drinking loads of wine and then you might, you might, someone might say, oh, do you want to drink some port or do you want to drink some dessert wine? And then by the time you get to the whiskey, not only are you going to be a bit trashed, but also your palate's completely knackered. Yeah, yeah. And I think take whiskey out of that equation, put it at the beginning, have it over some ice, have it with a mixer, have it, have it as some sort of cocktail. But yeah, they're the just, they're the two places I would love to see whiskey moving forward is more in the summertime. I hate it when people say to me, oh, whiskey's more of a winter drink, isn't it? No. I was like, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Uh, who was that? I was with um, someone the other day, um, Charlotte Barker, who. Yes. Uh, what's over at Diageo? Yeah, she's brilliant. Used to work at Milroy's. She used um, to work with us over at Coxwalds. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. She, yes, won, so she won our cocktail competition back in 2019. She's oh, an absolute legend. Yeah, she's brilliant. And. Um, you know, we we've been we were talking about highballs um, for something I was writing, and then I I was talking with her this week um, for something that we were working on um, for the our whiskey foundation, and um, she was like, yeah, whiskey and champagne, like or um, a twinkle, I think, which is like elderflower. Um, there's elderflower in there as well with whiskey, and you know, it's a long drink. It's got bubbles. It's celebratory, um, and that you know, at the beginning of an evening. Um, it's just something a little bit different and you know it but it's in a recognizable format as well you know people kind of understand that you might have like a long champagne flute with something sparkly in it um why can't why can't whiskey be in in that part of the conversation as well i'm gonna message charlotte and get the spec on that because (laughs) i am into that 100 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely okay i mean i think we've covered that we are completely whiskey non-conformists uh, and we will forever sit on a set of stairs thumbing the world of whiskey if they ever have their elitist views forced on people. But I guess the the, the sort of the, the wrap up and the last part of the podcast is, again, within whiskey, within the drinks community, everything has to be about punching up. You should never punch down. All right. If people if people have certain viewpoints, again, as long as it's not detrimental to other people, then we shouldn't punch down. And so for me, I am always a big fan of highlighting and platforming people that I think are doing amazing things within the industry. Um, So I guess this is the punch-up section. And Millie Milliken, I would like to know if there is someone in particular that you would like the world or all four listeners of this podcast to know about. (laughs) Um, One of them probably being my mum. There are some amazing 
women working in the whiskey industry um, in all kinds of roles um, and a lot of kind of consumer facing roles as well, um, for consumer and industry facing roles. Um, you know, brand ambassadors work very hard um, to get the the wonderful um, the wonderful world of whiskey into the hands of into the hands of people. Um, and you know, Charlotte is absolutely fantastic. I've already mentioned her. She she works over at Diageo. She does a fantastic job um, as a ambassador for um, sort of all, all of the spirits that they do there. And they've got multiple whiskies, of course. Um, and Jenna Barr is probably someone who. Um, I've known her for a long time. She, um, I only met her a few years ago, but I've kind of known of her for a long time. And she has been, you know, the ambassador, global ambassador for multiple whiskey brands over the years. Um, and she's doing a lot of work with Hay Club at the moment. Um, and she just has a really, really fantastic and fun approach to to whiskey and she she gets to travel the world and she also you know her hobby is she's a client loves climbing climbing mountains and hiking and things like that and you know when she's on a hike she always takes a bottle of whiskey and you know that that's part of her kind of experience and yeah she's she's an ambassador she's always out educating people educating bartenders educating consumers and i just think her approach to whiskey is very much you know our, our approach it's it's making it more accessible, more fun, um, and playing with flavour. And she just does it in a completely effortless and charming way. And she's she's a lovely person as well. And yeah, I think I think for anyone who is looking to maybe get into the industry or get into whiskey just in general, um, just sort of five minutes of listening to her talk about it, it I think will do the job. Um, so yeah, I think um she's she's a fantastic um ambassador for the for the category um and yeah i need to have a catch up with her soon <laughs> and so that was jenna jenna ba jenna ba jenna ba b a yeah cool right everyone get on instagram follow jenna immediately <laughs> and reach out to her and tell her that the world's most famous whiskey podcast the i want to like whiskey podcast <laughs> just punched her up and in a good way go. not a bad yeah, way exactly she's brilliant brilliant okay uh, and what as in a product or a brand would you like to punch up I, apart from Cotswolds Distillery, of course. Of course. Um, of course. Um, I love what the guys at Holyrood Distillery are doing in Edinburgh. Um, oh, there's another one as well. Oh, can I have two? No. I mean, we, can, gonna e say we can edit this so that you can have yeah. two. I'm going to say, well, Holyrood, I love what they're doing mainly because of um, what they're doing with new make spirit. Um, and I love woven whiskey as well. They're in yes. Um, yes, yes. and they are doing some very cool things with, um, blending. Um, but I love, I think I love what the guys at Hollywood are doing because they are just being mad, which I just love. They're playing with new makes, they're releasing new makes, they're playing with different yeast strains, different recipes, you know, massive amount of data, you know, just having really good fun with making whiskey. And I think, I think as well, sometimes you can sense that element of fun in a distiller or in a distillery or how it operates by the product they produce. And 
I think what those guys are doing um, is just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, they, they've released, I think, four of their new make spirits um, and they've got a new range coming soon as well. Um, and they're just all about flavor and the process of making whiskey. And I just think that they're, you know, pushing the boundaries. And I hate the word innovation because it, I feel like it means nothing these days. Everyone's innovative. No, you're not. Pushing these, things forward. Exactly. They're pushing They're pushing things forward. They're broadening people's minds when it comes to whiskey. And at the same time, you know, they're learning along the way as well. It's, it's you know, it's a full circle um, kind of experience. And I think, yeah, I just think what they're doing is opening up conversations that aren't being had at the moment in whiskey and yeah I think they're brilliant and the, the team there are also just awesome so yeah I would say Holyrood are very exciting love what they're doing cool I mean everyone get hold of some Holyrood look out for it go find it search it you've got Google make the most of it the other thing as well is woven whiskey is delicious get out there and get some and if you've ever turned your nose up at blended whiskey shame on you I don't want to punch down but come on 2022 blended whiskey is delicious and single malt whiskey wouldn't be here without blended whiskey so you know let's push things forward on blended as well 100 percent, yeah and woven do the, the brilliant job of doing that um very cool um having been in their teeny tiny workshop um you just can't believe that um they produce this brilliant liquid um and a brilliant brand as well i think i think it's also really important always to you know whenever someone brings up sort of packaging, I'm always like, oh, God, here we go, let's talk about packaging. But <laughs> I think a lot of the time people buy things or pick them up because they look interesting or they look good. And I think what Woven are doing with the design of their bottles and their branding makes people go, oh, that looks cool. And like that's the first step. They're already in and they're just making blended whiskey cool um and look cool and be cool and i think i think that's really important as well um there's quite a lot of whiskey brands who are rebranding at the moment and i think that's really interesting um because you know it, it unfortunately people people will kind of be gravitate towards something that they think looks nice um but that's not always a bad thing you know if you can hook someone in and that makes them start drinking whiskey then you know, that's, that's a brilliant thing. So exactly. yeah, I, I think what Woven are doing with that side of things as well is 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 really good. Yeah, good. and I completely agree with you. We're in a we're in a whiskey renaissance right now where everything is changing. Everything is up for grabs, uh, pushing forward with different ideas, aesthetics of bottles, styles of whiskey. Um, change not changing the rules, but questioning preconceptions with regards to blends and age statement. It's not about punching down. It's not about being dismissive, but it is asking questions because we have access to all of the information these days. Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah, that um, sort of transparency, I think, is really important as well um, from brands because it's only going to make people understand more about whiskey. So, yeah, anyone who's doing something like that is is doing a good job, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. Oh, I, I follow suit from our illustrious leader, our founder, Dan Jaw, who, mm. through no fault of his own, is just the most honest man you've ever met in your life because he has no filter. So mm -hmm. if you ever listen to or in our privy to a conversation with Dan, he will tell you everything that we're doing for the next five years. And that is simply because not only is he excited <laughs> about what we do, but also he just can't hold it back. So mm. from my perspective, being his brand ambassador, it gives me a lot of open dialogue with regards yeah. to what we're going to be doing. And honesty yeah. is everything. 
I think that giving people information and letting them know what's happening and how things are done and what's, you know, people want to know what they're drinking, what they're buying. Uh, people really care about um, a sort of brands, um, values and ethos and everything. And yeah, just being honest is, you know, it's just always the best policy and it will just make people love your product more because they, they trust you. Um, and I, th I think that's really important. And a lot of distilleries do a fantastic job of that. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are kind of looking to how they can, you know, tell people more about how they make their whiskey and, um, the process and the brand. So yeah, more of that, please. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. More of that on the menu. I will have mm -hmm. all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and finally, well, not finally, where, where, where right now in the world, in England, in London, wherever you are is sort of in need of a punch up because people need to be aware of how good they are. I mean, there's so, there's so many places. You um, can have more than one, hundred percent. Okay, cool. Um, I think a trip to Isla will make anyone fall in love with, with whiskey. Um, and I'm definitely not, you know, alone in that opinion. I don't think, um, I mean, that is, guys, a, that's a pilgrimage, isn't it? That's a pilgrimage. Yeah. That's a proper, um, that, you know, take a week off work and go and just roam around and have a wonderful time. Um, I think in, in London, you know, Milroy's, you know, if you love whiskey, then you'll know of Milroy's. Um, there's one in Soho, um, the OG, and then there's uh, one which was opened a few years back in Spitalfields. And they have just some, you know, an amazing collection of whiskies um, and a brilliant team. Um, and their owner, I believe, is is uh, potentially going to be um, on this podcast as well. I couldn't and comment. No I comment. Couldn't comment. comment. Um, but they, they do a fantastic job of just what we've been talking about for, you know, most of this episode, which is making whiskey an enjoyable experience and not making people feel silly if they don't know about whiskey. And um, they have a great range of them. They do highballs on tap, which is just really cool. Um, and yeah, it's just a great place to hang out. Um, whenever I go in there, there's usually someone I know in there from the industry. It's, you know, it's not just an industry hangout place and it doesn't feel exclusive, um, to the industry. It is very much, um, you step off the street, walk in and you're in this sort of very warm, cozy, beautiful place with people who want to tell you about whiskey. You know, there's, there's no other way of, of saying it really. And they, they host a women's whiskey um, event there, which Charlotte is, who I mentioned, Charlotte is heavily involved in. Um, and yeah, it's that all that all about being a space for people to come together and enjoy whiskey in a kind of um, safe and um, inclusive space um, where you don't feel silly if you don't know anything about whiskey, but also you, if you know a lot, there's so much there for you to, you know, it's a playground, it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say if, if you're looking to get into whiskey or you want to learn more then head to Milroy's in London, it's, it's the Mecca. Couldn't agree me. more. Couldn't agree more. That is the one place in London where you can step inside and automatically the rest of London doesn't exist. You are at yeah. home. And as you said, if you don't know anything about whiskey, they will embrace you and they will feed off that curiosity. And if you know everything, then they will feed into that curiosity by giving you alternatives of things that you enjoy. Exactly. Uh, Highballs on tap, pretty sure that they're one of the only people that do it. Mm -hmm. um, September Cotswolds Distillery will be on tap in Milroy, Soho. And then Very good. Love also, it. yeah, I mean, 
it's just a great place. They've got the vault yeah. downstairs if you fancy yeah, a great cocktail brilliant. as well. Honestly, walk through the doors of Milroy's in Soho. It is the best thing you will do if you are interested in whiskey. 100%. And if you're really into cocktails as well, um, the, they've also opened um, Chris Tanner, who um, is fantastic. Um of you know works works um, as part of Milroy's, but he's heading up kind of the operation at Silverleaf, which is a new bar um, just opposite Liverpool Street, um, and they've got some really cool whiskey events coming up, um, and they do fantastic cocktails with all spirits. Um, but yeah, they've got some amazing things going on in there, um, and it's a beautiful bar. So yeah, go and check that out as well. Hundred percent agree, especially on September the thirteenth. Okay. <laughs> Um, right. I think we have actually had a really nice conversation today. So I yes. guess the final part of this will be Millie Milliken, please mm -hmm. tell me if you want to plug anything about your work, <laughs> what you're doing, um, mm -hmm. anything of that nature, who you are, because not only is this about getting people into whiskey, but it's also the personalities of the whiskey world, which will help people on that. I hate the word journey. So please, Millie Milliken, tell us everything we need to know about you, your work, and where we can find you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, I mean, I'm a whiskey, uh, well, drinks journalist by trade. Um, I don't just write about whiskey. I write about all spirits, um, occasionally wine, occasionally beer, but mainly spirits and cocktails. Um, I write for numerous um, sort of drinks, drinks magazines, um, whiskey magazine, Master of Malts, Clubinology uh, online, um, Cocktail Lovers, uh, Vine Pair, which is an American publication, um, loads of them. So if you want to read any of my work or kind of have a feel for what I do, um, my Instagram is um, at Millie underscore Millican. Um, I also do some work with the Drinks Trust. Um, I head up their drinks community, which is a kind of community platform for people working in the industry. The Drinks Trust is the drinks industry charity here in the UK. Um, and I also am head of content for the Our Whiskey Foundation, which um, is all about empowering and recognizing and supporting women working in the whiskey industry. So yeah, at Millie Millic underscore Millican, um, and you'll you'll get to see what I'm what I'm up to. Sometimes there's some boring stuff in there, but most of the time it's fun and it's about drinks. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's mega engaging. Everyone go out there, find Millie Millican, find her words, find her work, and if you are in Milroy's, find her a beer or a whiskey as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be at the bar most of the time. 100%. Millie, thank you so much for joining me <laughs> today you. on the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Uh, I can't wait to catch up with you soon. And yes, as I, I say, I'll be seeing you in September. Absolutely. 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 Thank you so much, Millie. It's been a pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Cotswolds Distillery, a grain-to-glass distillery based in the Cotswolds National Landscape, a designated area of outstanding natural beauty and the home of England's best-selling single malt whiskey. Our philosophy is simple. We make delicious spirits in a beautiful part of the world. The Cotswolds Distillery. Our spirit, your whiskey.